Hi, this is Lara. And this is Sarah. And we're Bible bitches. Dude, I gotta say, for some reason, this intro always makes me crack up. And then I have to take a beat before I say, this is Sarah. Because it's so like, this is Lara, and this is Sarah, and we're Bible bitches. (laughs) (laughs) It's also funny because we're looking at each other. So we're like introducing ourselves to one another. I know. But we've just got to imagine you, imaginary audience, from the future. Yes, think positively. Yeah. We will have an audience of more than us two, <laughs> the people that we badger into listening. Have, have you listened people. yet, friends? <laughs> that is right. And I've got a question for you. What is your question? I feel like you're a lady boss, and I am wondering... What lady bosses you were influenced by growing up? Well, that's easy. Definitely She-Ra, because she's the princess of power. Indeed. And also Anne of Green Gables, because it's Anne of Green Gables. Like, I don't think I could be friends with somebody who didn't love Anne of Green Gables growing up. I was a fan of those books because she was spunky and because of the delicious descriptions of pies and foods. I always got hungry reading those books. <laughs> I don't actually know, and this is going to take away my credibility, but I don't know that I ever actually read the book. I have the books, but I don't think I've ever actually read them. I don't uh, know I that I've ever actually seen any movies. I think I've only read the books. Yeah. Well, I think that this is something that we really need to... Um, yeah, you should read the books and I'll watch all the, the media. Yeah. We really need to rectify this. This is a big problem. I think this really meshes, this really kind of shows our personalities, though, because I am definitely like an old baby. <laughs> like, like, I'm not super tech savvy. I like social media and stuff. I'm Well, I'm not like, I'm not, there are certain things about tech that kind of mystify me. So I'm kind of an old in that regard. But I also am mostly a 12-year-old person. What about you? What? what, Oh, my lady boss? My lady bosses. There were two that really stuck with me in the 90s. The first was Xena Warrior Princess. You love her. I love her. I love her. I was a huge fan of Xena Warrior Princess. Um, I feel like this is my second mention of Xena in, in like... (laughs) It's two straight episodes. I'm probably always going to mention her. Yeah, make it a point to mention her in every episode. Every episode. Mm, It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Loved her. And then also Dana Scully of the X-Files definitely was briefly thought about, you know, joining the FBI and, like, finding out all the mysteries because Dana did it. And neither one of them really didn't take any guff. No, they did not. Another reason I'm an old baby. We old, old people say they didn't take any guff. <laughs> to be honest, that's like exactly what I was thinking. And I like if if you hadn't said it, I would have said it. We're both old babies. <laughs> but I think that now we're just kind of both a little bit. We're like broaching actually old. <laughs> no, Sarah, we're just old millennials. <laughs> Do we count as millennials? Mm. My friends who are older than me are like, you millennials. And then my friends who are younger than me are like, no, we shun you. Get yeah, out of there, there. so there has been much written about that we are 
I think we're technically millennials, but we are in this like weird sliver of millennials that actually remember a time before the internet. Yeah. And so there's a special subset of what we are, and I don't remember what that is, but it's nice because we get the best of both worlds. Like we're totally comfortable with technology, and also we know what it was. How we know how to survive without it. Yeah, we were. Well, I don't know that I could anymore. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I could probably read a map, but <laughs> it, would, it would take me a few. It would take me a few mishaps. Yeah, I think I'd get real twitchy if I had to go without my phone for a day. Oh yeah, for sure. I have completely forgotten how to how to have patience, really. Like when interacting with people, like I expect responses very yeah. different. Like, how would you wait? How would you wait for mail? Oh my God. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I only check my mail like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> Not an exaggeration. Dad sent me a letter last month, and he was huh. like, hey, did you get my letter? I'm like, no, I haven't checked my mail in a long time. And he was like, will you, will you check it? <laughs> as soon as I get yeah. home from work, I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might miss some of the prank mail that I send you then. Have you sent me any? I am in the works of sending you some more prank mail. I haven't put it in the mail yet. but Are you the one who signed me up for Teen Vogue? No. But <laughs> Teen Vogue is, like, badass, though. Really? They're, yeah. No, Teen Vogue, they're – I honestly think they're doing some of the best journalism right now, which is weird because they, you know, they whenever we were growing up, they were just, you know, this is how you wear makeup. And yeah. now they're doing, like, a lot of hard-hitting pieces on, like, sexism, racism, and intersectionality, and, like, politics, and – I, like, if I had a teen daughter, I would be like, read this. If I had a teen son, I would be like, read this. They, they're getting a large adult market now because of it. So, well, yeah, you should actually, you should crack it. Because, like, I read their online content. It's pretty solid. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Shout out to Teen Vogue. So, reeling it back in. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's back talk in. about some badass ladies of the Old Testament. First up is Miriam. She was a prophetess and Moses' older sister. And let's do a brief recap of Moses. So he starts out, he's an Israelite baby. He gets um, kind of put down the river to safety and was adopted by Pharaoh's wife. Um, Moses grows up, sees an Israelite slave being beaten by Pharaoh's men, and he kills one of Pharaoh's men in order to save, uh, try to save the slave. He flees to the Israelites rediscovers his heritage and comes back to face Pharaoh's son, who is now Pharaoh. Um, and a lot of times this is portrayed as Ramses. I think it portrayed as like Ramses II a lot of times. And so yeah. much has been kind of said about who, who that Pharaoh was. He eventually leads his people um, to freedom, Moses does, with a lot of help from God in the form of 10 plagues. Sarah, what's your favorite plague? There are so many good ones. First of all, I kind of want to back up. So Moses, there's a lot written about in about Moses in the Hebrew Bible. When Laura mentions like him being put down the river, he was considered like a miracle insofar as he was, I forget why, but they were killing Israelite babies and his mother in an attempt to save him, put him in a reed basket and sent him down the river. And then Pharaoh's wife found him and that was considered like an act of God. And so he was this like saved child. And then, you know, he still has roots as his real kid. And so he feels the injustice when he sees these people being beaten, blah, 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 blah. We're now at the plagues. 
Yeah, and and the act of putting him kind of down the river was in order uh, to save him. Mm-hmm. Um, Pharaoh had ordered all newborn Hebrew boys to be killed in order to reduce the population of the Israelites. And so uh, Moses' mother, who I'm going to butcher her name, and I apologize in advance, Jochebed, uh, I think is how uh, you pronounce it. Um, she She put him down the river in order to save him, hoping that he would be adopted and so ironically he's adopted by Pharaoh's family yep yeah and so then you know he grows up he stands up for the Israelites and the Pharaoh at the time is not cool with that and um so they have this conversation where Moses is like you need to let my people go and then the Pharaoh is like nah I'm good and Moses is like no really like shit's gonna go down if you don't let my people go and Pharaoh's like I'm gonna gamble it what can you do and then, and then, and then, and then Moses is like, "Oh, I can do some things." Check this mess out. And then that's the, that's the uh, the ten plagues. And the yeah. plagues were what were they? So there were frogs. There were there, locusts. The river turned to blood. The yes, Nile, were, right? That was the rough. river turned to blood. There were boils, I think. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, soils like sores and boils. Mm. Yeah, and and then like the final one was angels come through and put red X's on certain households. And for every door that had the red X, that firstborn firstborn son dies. Yeah. So Moses actually instructs the people um, on that one. He instructs the people to, I think they have to do animal sacrifices and they take the blood and mark the blood over their doors. And this is what the Israelites are doing. The Israelites are doing this to protect against the angel of death. Mm -hmm. And so the plague is to kill the firstborn, I think firstborn sons. Yeah, um, which is kind of an ironic reversal, right? Because Pharaoh had initially ordered the death of Hebrew sons, right? Yes. So this is kind of an ironic reversal. So Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's own son dies, and all the the Israelite people are spared because they've put the blood over their door so the angel knows not to um, enter and kill. So, you know, at that point, Pharaoh's like, fine, go. I like, I don't, I don't want to deal with this mess anymore. Yes. But yes. then Pharaoh always changes his mind. Yeah, worse. He's the worst. And so when the Israelites are finally making their escape from Pharaoh, Moses sings to the Lord and the Red Sea is parted. Miriam, which is Moses' sister, the prophetess, comes in for the encore and convinces the women to follow her and leads them dancing with a timbrel, which is like a tambourine. Uh, Because we all know ladies are more likely to get on board if you're dropping a sick beat, right? So let me give you a hint of this beat. Here's Miriam's song. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. And then the sea closes behind them, and the Egyptian army is drowned. Yeah. I heard that Beyonce did a really good remix of that song. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Beyonce could do a good remix of just about anything. Like, she could make that sound, like, modern and legit. Oh, 100%. <laughs> right. She's fucking amazing. Right. Um, so... So after they cross the Red Sea and are now, so now it's Moses and Miriam and they have all of the Israelites and, and their brother, right? Moses' Moses sidekick is his brother, Aaron. That's right. And Mm -hmm. Aaron. And um, this is kind of, this is, so a lot of things happen. They're wandering through the desert at this point and her story like takes a little turn downwards. She actually ends up angering God 
um, when she and Aaron call out Moses for bear for marrying a non-Israelite woman, a Cushite, which by the way, Cush was an ancient area, ancient land that probably existed, we think, in Ethiopia or Sudan or Southern Arabia, like that general area. So God gives Miriam leprosy, but sexistly, God does not give does not give Aaron any disease. Aaron begs Moses to spare her. Moses then intercedes to God, and God is like, fine. She doesn't have leprosy anymore, but she has to sit outside the camp for seven days. And I just want to go back again that Aaron, also involved, no punishment. Right? And so while I'm on Moses' side here, Miriam and Aaron were kind of being racist by saying, like, hey, why'd you marry a Cushite, right? Um, Why just punish Miriam, right? Because, you know, Miriam saved Moses' life by watching over him as a baby whenever he was going down that river, whenever Jacobet had to put him in the river to save his life um, in the little basket, and he went down. She watched him to ensure that he was adopted and that he was safe. She, like, kind of followed him and, and watched out. And I think she's as crucial as Aaron in terms of being a sidekick. And so... Um, so yeah, so there's there's some problems there. Well, even more so, right? What did Aaron do? I mean, Miriam closed the Red Sea with her song. So Aaron's function, that's a great question. He basically, so Moses, God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush whenever he's out, um, whenever, after Moses has killed the Egyptian slave master. He's gone and fled and kind of reconnected with his heritage. He's, he's settled down, right? And... So he's gotten complacent, basically. And so God comes to him in the form of a burning bush, a, a bush that is burning but is not consumed, and he tells him he's got to go back and free free the people, free the, the Israelite slaves. And so when that happens, Moses says something about being he's not able to do that because of some sort of speech impediment. There's something going on with his speech. And God's like, all right, well, if you really – he's like – you need to trust me, but if you don't feel like you can do it, I'm not going to send you alone. I'm going to send Aaron with you. So Aaron is is almost kind of like his confidence booster mm-hmm. and someone who sometimes speaks for him. So he's, basically, he's, he's just his buddy, his sidekick. He's Samwise Gamgee. He's Samwise Gamgee, right? He is. Except for that he's a little bigoted. Right, right. And I think this is this is complicated because we are reading 21st century lens onto it. At that time, Israelites um, very much talked about their spirituality in terms of separation. There was a, a very there was a lot of laws about what kinds of things they would do, like the whole not eating shellfish and all that. That set them apart from other people, and they thought of themselves as being set apart. They were the only really monotheistic religion game around, and so there was a lot of codes that they needed to follow that kept them sort of separate from other people. So while their exceptionalism was, you know, a a huge part of who they were, it could also mean that certain people were left out. Um, So it's a very complicated, you know, thing reading back into this several, several millennia later. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and so they, I don't, I don't, I don't want to assume too much. Does Aaron end up getting to enter into the promised land? I, that is a great question. I'm trying to remember when um, when Aaron died. So for our audience, Moses and Miriam, Moses, because he doesn't trust God at some point, he is denied um, access into the promised land. And Miriam, 
doesn't end up going into the she isn't allowed in either do you remember why I, like it, it's interesting because it looks like Aaron also died. Aaron died before the Israelites crossed the North Jordan River, and I think it was on the other side of the Jordan where, yeah, um, Canaan. Yeah, where Canaan was. So I, I think all of them died, and I, I wonder how much it's really a reflection of God's anger and more like this. Their generation's responsibility was to lead them out, and maybe the next generation was supposed to be the ones that settled the Promised Land. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a good question and one that needs to be wrestled with as to what happened but it is it is sad and problematic and she never partnered she never married as far as we know she remained focused on the well-being of Israel she didn't really lean in Sarah <laughs> no she didn't um but you know now we have like international women's day we have complete equality and are fully able to balance work and family and <laughs> the support of a American. We have a day, Sarah. We have a day. <laughs> Did you see that thing on Reddit that um, it was like a Google search, you know, graph and how mm-hmm. on Women's International Women's Day every year the um, Google searches for International Men's Day like skyrocket? Oh, uh, give us a day, men. Just Come on. Day. Y'all have President's Day. You have. Right. Um, all, all the other all, days. All the all other of them. days. You have all of them. Yeah. You get you get just like the every day. Yeah. Give us give us a friggin' day. Um. So yeah. So on to our next badass lady. Okay. So we've got Deborah. That which she also that also happens to be my mom's name, and uh, my mom was delighted when I told her the story of Deborah. And so my mom. This is kind of a sidebar, but she was opposed to our name Bible Bitches because she heard the word bitch too often in the workplace, right? And she's kind of stealing herself by casually dropping it into conversation a lot with me. And she's trying to be supportive, but she's also has some issues with it. And I appreciate, you know, mom for uh, for really trying to wrestle with it. So I mentioned to her that a friend of mine, Bicknock, had uh, has a website called ladypants.org, which hilariously redirects to Hillary Clinton's website. And my mom said, well, if you want to make it edgy, why don't you turn it into bitchbloomers.org, <laughs> which was just so funny. And then I said it would be hilarious to get hashtag bitchbloomers to trend on Twitter. Now, my mom isn't on Twitter and doesn't really, I, you know, doesn't really care about trending and all that kind of stuff. But I think it would be funny if people were tweeting with the hashtag bitchbloomers. So I will show her whatever tweets you make with that. I want underpants that say bitch bloomers right indeed maybe like in a sparkly lettering or some rhinestones mm. mm. yes yes maybe i get a lower back tattoo bitch bloomers. <laughs> <laughs> that would really that would really make those things sell like hotcakes wouldn't it and comic sans font or papyrus <laughs> Um, well, you know, I mean, I like the idea of a tweet saying, I put my bitch bloomers on the same as you, one leg at a time. Back, um, back to Deborah. Sorry, we got off track again, per the usual. She was actually Israel's first lady judge. She was a total fucking badass. And she would adjudicate, adjudicate, she would adjudicate, Am I pronouncing that right? Adjudicate? He's saying adjudicate? Like, adjudicate. like Judge Judy? She would, uh, she would adjudicate. 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 Jesus. There we go. 
adjudicate cases from under a palm tree because she's a fucking lady boss. I assume that she definitely had two, like, very, like, burly style dudes, like, fanning her with palm fronds. I picture her as an ancient Judge Judy now, now that we're calling it a adjudicate. <laughs> I really want her business model, by the way. I feel like we're doing this wrong. We're not, we're not under a palm tree right now. We're not getting fanned. We're not having people come to meet us under said palm tree. If you moved out to L.A., it would be pretty easy to do this under a palm tree. Anyways, clearly we're doing this wrong, and I feel like I need to reevaluate everything in my life now. Um, so whatever. Miriam could summon whoever she wanted to talk to to come meet her under the palm tree. That, you know what, that's when you know you've made it. When you can summon anyone, and they're like, fine, I'll come. Um, so one day she summons a man named Barack, not Obama, to get an army, but prophesied what, just to get an army together? Just to get them together? Yeah. So basically, like, Sisera, the Canaanite general, was, uh, like, there was, you know, so let's kind of backtrack. Canaan and Israel were always kind of at odds with each other, right? Because Israel had to invade the land of Canaan in order to take it to make it the promised land. So they kind of just took it from the Canaanites. And so there was a lot of fighting back and forth between the Canaanites and Israelites after this happened because the Canaanites are like, uh, you took my land. And Israel's like, uh, God let us here. So tough noogies. So that's kind of the backstory to this. So they're always kind of at odds with each other. And so she's summoning Barak to be, um, to be the Israelite general, right? Yeah. The one that is going to go up against and kill the Canaanite general Sisera. But right. there's kind of this irony here because she's summoning him, but she's also telling him, like, you're not going to be the one to kill Sisera. you got to leave the army, but you're not going to do it. Um, do you have the text for Judges 4? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she says, the road on which you are going will not lead you to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And he replies. Which will, which will, which will end up, spoiler alert, being our third badass lady, but go on. Oh, yeah. She is my favorite of these three, I'm not going to lie. But um, so he says back to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And Deborah then goes with him because she was Steve Austin style, stone cold, fearless. Like Austin 316. <laughs> Austin 316. <laughs> For sure. And this is where it gets really good because we're bringing in our third badass lady. So when Sisera, Sisera being the Canaanite general, saw Barak, the Israelite general's army, or the whole Canaanite army basically panicked and fled. And then General Sisera, the Canaanite general, fled on foot. So he flees to the tent of a woman named Yachel. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. It looks like Jael, but I think it's Yachel. Yachel tells Sisera, turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, have no fear. So Sisera goes into Yachel's tent, and she covers him with a rug, and she gives him some milk, and she waits until he gets cozy and asleep. And then she takes a friggin' tent peg, puts it to his temple, and hammers it into his skull. Then Yachel goes out to meet Barak, the Israelite general, who's searching for Sisera. And she's like, oh, hey, no big deal, but, like, come on over. I've got this guy in here you're searching for. And then Barak finds Sisera laid out in her tent with his head smashed in with a tent peg. I try not to condone violence, but that shit is fucking bonkers awesome. Like, girls getting it. Mm -hmm. Love it. 
Mm -hmm. And she ends up fulfilling that prophecy, right? That that general is going to be filled by a woman and not by Barack Sand. Yeah. Fucking ferocious. So (laughs) we, again, get back into singing. They love a singing. They loved a song to celebrate. So Judges 5 is a song celebrating the victory and the beginning of 40 years of peace. And in this, my favorite line is, she put her hand to the tent peg and her right man and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera a blow. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. He sank. He fell. He lay still at her feet. And at her feet, he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. <laughs> that, is, that is a lot of sinking and a lot of falling. Yeah. I don't know if you uh, know this, but he sank and he fell. Spoiler alert, thinking and falling. <laughs> so I feel like these women like don't really get a lot of acknowledgement in Christian culture. Like I'm I they might more in Jewish culture. I'm like not honestly that familiar with it. I can't really speak to it. But um it's a shame. Truthfully, it's a shame because growing up, both women sets, you know, Shira and Anna Green Gables and Zena and um Scully. Scully. The commonality there is that they all had a voice. Like they were all mm-hmm. given a chance on the stage, essentially. And what we aren't seeing in Christian culture is that voice to the women who make, who participate significantly in Christian culture, in Christian history. And um, it's such a bummer. I feel like it would, you know, I feel like that had a lot to do with my eventual moving away from the church. For sure. I had similar experiences with these women not being, you know, lifted up. I didn't really know anything about them um, much until later on, whenever I started, you know, went to div school and started studying more in depth. And still being in the church, you know, for me, I feel like it's really important to raise up some of these narratives that don't get a lot of play so that we can affirm strength and leadership in women as a virtue. And with Miriam, you know, we see a complex character, one who is a leader, but is also struggling with xenophobia and possible racism against her sister-in-law, Cushite. What a timely reading to look at with critical eyes in a country where a majority of voting white women endorsed a racist misogynist in Trump. These complex texts are ripe for the pulpit and Bible study classes. But like, how do you, how do you, like, it's really hard to divorce that. So one of the things that I am not a super fan of about, like, the larger Christian culture is the idea of love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm. It's used a lot in um, homophobia, like, their homophobic Mm -hmm. way to, like, reconcile it. And that is super frustrating to me because, A, that's not a sin, and B, theoretically, sin is part of who we are. And to deny that is to deny the self. And how, but then how do I do that with somebody who has opinions that I like fully disagree with? Can I deny that part of their selves and just focus on the parts that I don't have conflict with? Wow, that is a great question, Sarah. You're wrestling with the best questions. I just think that this kind of, all or nothing language like love the sin or hate the sin is really yeah. damaging. I think I, I think you're right. I think it kind of negates our full, you know, human breadth of experiences. So it's I think it's far more helpful, you know, when we talk about someone like Miriam, right? They're complicated. And so it kind of acknowledges that full breadth of, okay, 
let, let's look at the fact that she was handled differently as a woman, right? How does that happen? Let's also look at the fact that there was a sense of like punishment and restitution that needed to happen for that behavior. So there are a lot of things we can glean from that, that um, her partnership with Moses was essential to the Israelite people's survival. Also, she was a very strong woman. Also, you could argue she was mistreated by God and un unfairly and unequally with um, with Adam, or, or sorry, in comparison to Aaron, mm -hmm. her brother. Also, you could make the argument that you know she was being kind of racist and xenophobic against her sister-in-law, and that some sense of restitution needed to happen. So, I think if we kind of approach our fellow humans like this, especially in Christian culture, unique specific to Christian culture, we could actually approach one another in dialogue versus these terrible statements like love the sinner, hate the sin, where it just kind of negates even having these discussions about what is sin? How do we approach it? And how yeah. do we how do we try to reflect on and better ourselves? And so yeah, absolutely. I think it's been total that that stuff has been hurled at insults with to like women, gay people, you know, it's just that kind of language is so problematic. Yeah, and it's really prescriptive, you know, like so true. it is not about understanding the individual. It's about fitting into the whole. Very true. Very true. So all good thoughts. As a total aside, I feel like if we ever do merch, we should totally sell bitch bloomers underwear. Would Do you think anybody would buy that, Sarah? I, I would. I would buy like, I would buy like this. Seven days a week. It's like, here's the bitch bloomers. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like in different fonts based on the day. Yeah. Is Friday just like winging? Yes. Um, like, yeah. Friday would have to be like comic dance or wingdings. Like, it's like fun. Right. And, and Sunday's like this kind of like epic old school kind of like. Uh, it would have to be like know. gothic. Like. Yeah, gothic for like it. the. Like a medieval, we're going to church kind of, you know, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> I was actually thinking more of like the dread of the impending Monday, like. Oh yes, that too. Start anyways, I think I think that about covers it. We've got Miriam, Deborah, and Yahel, and fucking badass ladies all around. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe don't react as violently as Yahel, but uh, love it. Love, love it. it. Love that we can finally give them some play, like some proper. Exactly. Do we have any listener mail? Um, well, so I want to give a particular shout out to Alyssa Adolpe. She is a Baptist minister, and she made a stand fighting for dreamers and immigrant freedom and did practice some civil disobedience and was arrested in Washington, D.C. and spent the night um, in jail. For it and so she's really um i feel like living this out you know this she's a strong badass lady yeah. and um, she's doing it in the name of i think the right way in the name of her faith of saying like love and justice is what's paramount and yeah. so i want to give that shout out to you uh reverend Alyssa adalbe you are badass what um, was she what was she um protesting against um, well, you know, the Trump administration continues to mess around, I think, with immigrants' futures, and the DREAM Act is very important and something that continue to struggle with getting passed um, with young people who were brought here and then 
against their will. Well, really by parents, you know, they, they, they had no idea what was going on. They were children, right? And so they were brought here and now they're amazing tax paying people that are helping us in so many different fields and they want to stay here. This is their home. So we should let them stay. You know, they're, they're Americans. Yeah. So we support you. You're awesome. And just wanted to yeah. give you a shout out. So, so yeah. Uh, let us know what you think about these badass ladies. Let us know what you think about bitch bloomers. Yes. <laughs> so you can contact us at Bible Bitches on Twitter. You can also contact us on Facebook on our fan page, Bible Bitches. How else can they find us, Sarah? How can they find our podcast? If you're not, if you're listening to this and don't know how you got here, where, <laughs> else, where else can you find us? Well, of course. Super, super big thanks and shout out to Engage Gaze for that's G A Z E engagegaze.com for hosting our podcast they're amazing great articles you should definitely check it out if for some reason you got here without going through their site and then you can check us out on soundcloud and stitcher and itunes um you can also and leave us a good rating y'all give us a five-star rating yeah give us a five-star rating really any feedback we want to hear because we're all about making ourselves better and and finding out what y'all like and don't like and we you know we want to know what y'all think and uh, then you can also email us at bible betches that's bible b-e-t-c-h-e-s at gmail.com and um then you want to tell oh, us oh yeah about- shout outs right so we got some yeah. shout outs for yeah. uh at yo eve that's miss eve she let us graciously use her song tnt for the intro and outro and also want to give a shout out to Aaron Smith. You can find him at Aaron Doodles on Twitter. He designed our title card and is a cartoonist and has some pretty awesome content. So you should check him out. For sure. So we look forward to seeing you all on social media and also talking to you all on our next podcast. Yeah, which is going to be Badass Ladies of the New Testament. Yeah, so. it's kind of a series. Yeah, it's going to be a series. Yeah, and any any like passages or stories from any part of the Bible that you definitely want to tackle, just let us know. Hit us up on our email account, on Facebook, on whatever platform, and we will do our best to get to it if it's not already in our queue. And if it is in our queue, we'll let you know. All right. Bye. See you next time. Bye.